Welcome back to Our Foundations. Today is our update episode. My name is Joshua, and we're going to do just some brief updates on the podcast, and I wanted to get a few things off my chest related to the military and the police. So first, as far as updates go, I just want to review where we are right now and where we're going. So we just got into corruption and conspiracy in government. We did the episode on the Rhodes Roundtable group, and that should be enlightening at least. And the next episode will focus on the ideologies behind not just that group, but pretty much this whole mentality of an elite group, a wealthy group, a power group, basically those behind the scenes that have a lot of power and influence, what ideologies are they following and where does that come from? It seems like there are some commonalities between all of these, that they all feel like they are the elite and they are better than most of the masses and that it is not only their right, but their duty to steer society in the way that would be best for the race as a whole. They look at things from a collective perspective, and their morality seems to be fluid, let's say. So the question becomes, why are all of these different groups and players and foundations, why are they all sharing similar views and similar ideologies and work together so well? Where does that come from? Well, I have recently read both Aristotle and Plato, and all of these ideologies can be found way back then, so they are ancient ideas. These are not new concepts, but what I've done for the next episode, the ideologies episode, is gone through a set of books that take us all the way through basically a period of a few hundred years and see the evolution of how... People have looked at society as a whole, as far as from an academic perspective and the intelligentsia, what has been their view. And so I highlight some very popular books that have made a very big impact in areas like political theory and philosophy, people like Darwin and Nietzsche and people like that. So we'll go over that in the next episode, and that should be very eye-opening as far as what these people, these very influential figures actually wrote and what they believed and how widely that was accepted by those in the academic circles and political circles, basically what I am referring to as the elite or the establishment or whatever you want to call it. And then moving on to the episode after the ideologies and books, we get into conspiracy and corruption in government and talk about some specific groups like the Council on Foreign Relations, which already has been brought up, but we'll go into detail with that. We'll touch on the Trilateral Commission, on the CIA, on false flag operations, things of that nature. And then for the next episode after that, we'll do one that focuses on money, finance, economics, that type of stuff related to corruption and conspiracy. Again, we'll get into the World Bank, the IMF, crony capitalism, taxes, things like this. So that's where we're going the next few episodes. They should be very interesting. I've really enjoyed doing the research on these and presenting these and coming up with all this content. It's been very fun for myself personally, so hopefully you guys will enjoy it as well. Now, the next thing will be the t-shirt contest. We have the t-shirt contest going on, but not very many people have Um, emailed me and put their names in for that. So since the numbers are so limited, I am able to just say that anybody 
who has emailed me so far, as of this recording at least, will get a t-shirt. You are officially winners. If you have submitted an email and put in your name, then you won and you get a free t-shirt. For anybody else, I still have not filled up the order size I wanted to do for t-shirts, so keep those coming in, keep the emails coming in, and submit your name, and I will be able to fit some more on there, so I will draw some more people and get some more people in that way for some free t-shirts. So you can do that, you can find the details in the show notes, Patreon page, website, wherever. The final thing is that I need some more input for season two. I'm definitely not to the point of structuring that to a high degree or detailed degree yet, but I do want to get some input and get your opinions and what you're interested in, what type of content you've been enjoying and what you haven't been. So I've got a post on the Patreon page that outlines the different ideas that I've come up with so far for what direction to take season two. Again, it all relates to the same types of topics, but there are a few different ways of approaching that. And so, yeah, I would love your opinions and I would love to hear what you guys are interested in so that I can produce the next season in a way that will be enjoyable and interesting to you all. Now for my following comments, let's start off with the military. Now, as I've been doing a lot of this research and digging in on these different ideas and conspiracies and corruption, it's really come to light that most modern wars have been started under false pretenses, all the way back to the Spanish-American War with the Maine getting blown up, um, yeah, kind of suspiciously, and then all the way into World War One, World War Two, weapons of mass destruction, just all these different things, and we cover some of that in the corruption and government episode, but this is really not good. It's not good to go to war with a whole nother nation under pretenses that are completely false or made up or altered or lied about. So that's not good. The other aspect that's not good is the fact that most are fought in immoral ways. There is a lot of collateral damage. There's a lot of bombing, and oftentimes civilians get caught up in the damage and in the killing. And so when you have innocent civilians dying, that's not a good thing. If you look at World War I, when the peace accords were going on, Germany's ports were still blockaded. And even after the fighting stopped, its civilians were not getting food. They were literally starving to death, and that continued for a few months. That's ridiculous. That's horrible. That's hundreds of thousands of people, innocent people, that are getting affected. This idea of total war, this has been true of drone strikes and bombings. Under Obama, there was a hospital that got blown up, um, they say, on accident. I, I hope, hopefully, it was on accident, and I'm not saying that it wasn't, but the fact is that a hospital got blown up full of innocent people. That's not good at all. We don't like that. That is very immoral. And so the way that these wars are being fought are not moral at all. The other aspect that has come to light in my research is that these wars actually increase our security risk to our country. So instead of us actually eliminating threats and bringing the threat level down, it seems like as we are going overseas, and I'm talking about the U.S. in this light here, as we are going overseas, especially in the Middle East, also in other countries such as South America and places like that, we are actually creating instability, we are creating terrorists, and that is an impediment to our own security and our own stability. 
So in South America, for example, in Central America, there have been dictatorships and governments that we've overthrown and put in our own people and helped with coups. Well, then oftentimes those countries become unstable. The leadership doesn't really work out very well. They're still just corrupt or worse than the last people. Then you end up with a bunch of immigrants and refugees that are coming up to America for handouts because they are political refugees. They don't want to be in their country because it's not safe and it's not stable. And that is our fault. The other aspect is, let's say, the Middle East and terrorism. When we're bombing so many people over there and doing drone strikes and you know, a lot of civilians do get killed, and not just civilians, but just young men in general that are against Western thought, that doesn't mean that we need to kill them. So when we do, their entire family, everyone they know is going to be extremely pissed off at America because we are killing their people, their friends, their family. We're killing the people of their country, and from their perspective, we have no right to be there. And I wouldn't disagree. That's bad. So... When that happens, you are creating people that hate America even more and that become terrorists. They want to fight for their revenge. If you look at Eastern philosophy in general, it's mainly a shame and honor-based society, and I'm not going to go into the details with that here, but the point is that when something happens to someone or a family member or a friend, there is this cultural and philosophical need to get revenge and to make up for that wrong that was done. You have to avenge these people, and that's where you get these revenge killings and things like this. That's where it all stems from, is the whole cultural mentality. So the point is that if most wars are started under false pretenses and false flag operations and things like this, we have the wars being fought in immoral ways with a lot of innocent people dying. We have increased security risks because we are interfering in all these different countries all around the world. Then I would say that war is probably not a very good thing for our country. That's not good. I don't want that. I don't want to be less secure. I don't want to kill innocent people, and I don't want to be lied to about why we're doing it. So the problem comes up when we try to decide how to treat soldiers, so our military personnel. Now, most of them are risking their lives to fight for us and to fight for our country, and that is their goal. They're patriotic, they are risking their lives and often sacrificing their lives for our freedoms and for our country and for a sense of patriotism. And that is very honorable. That's a very honorable idea. The problem is that that's not what's actually happening. So there is a difference between intentions and actions. So even though those are the intentions, that doesn't seem to be what's actually happening in these wars. We are not actually increasing our freedoms and we are not actually defending ourselves from an imminent threat. That's not what's actually happening. Even though that's what many soldiers, most people that sign up for the military, I would say, that's what their goal is. That's why they sign up, and that is a very good thing. However, that's not what's actually happening. It's like if your mother has a birthday, and you really intend to get her a birthday card. Well, then the time comes around, and you forgot and so your mom questions you about it. Why didn't you get me a birthday card? Why, why didn't you do that? And you tell her, well, well, I intended to. That was my intention. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's nothing wrong. It's all okay. Well, if your mother is very hurt and her feelings are hurt because she didn't get a birthday card, 
Well, she might not feel the same way. The difference between your intentions of getting her a birthday card and the reality and the action that you did or didn't take and she does not have this birthday card, those are two totally different things. Just because you intended to doesn't mean that you should reap the rewards of getting her a birthday card because you never did. You didn't do that. So there is a difference here. And the same applies to soldiers and military personnel where they have these honorable intentions But the way it plays out in these wars and conflicts is that the reality and the actions taken are not honorable. They are not good. They are not moral. It's this difference between opinion and reality. They're two totally different things. And so the problem comes when we hail these soldiers as heroes, because even though their intentions and their thoughts and what they are trying to do and why they are doing it, even though those are heroic, without a doubt, And from that perspective, they are heroes, and the sacrifices they're making are real, and that is extremely heroic, and they deserve that status of being a hero for those things. It's just that is is in direct contradiction with what's actually happening with the wars and conflicts and battles that are going on. And so when we look at them as heroes, and we hail them as heroes, and war as being heroic and patriotic, then that solidifies the legitimacy of these wars and conflicts. It continues the flow of unnecessary death and sacrifice. We are sending these people to their deaths. People are dying every month, every day, and it is because of this war machine that keeps going. It's perpetual. It has not ended, and it is not necessary. There are conflicts that may be necessary. I am not saying that all war is evil and totally unnecessary and we need to get rid of it all. That's not my stance here. My point is that most of the wars we've been involved with over the past, say, maybe 100 years or so have not been very necessary. We have had millions of people die because of this. And many of these people are very heroic. They are heroes from that perspective, that they are fighting and dying for their country, for freedom, for those that are still behind, for their families, for us. And I am very grateful, just like I'm sure most of you are. So it's not to say that they're bad people or anything. The problem is just that when we solidify the fighting and the war in culture as being equivalent to patriotism and to honor and to glory and heroics, that just solidifies this perpetual war machine that keeps going and going and going. And I've already mentioned why that's not such a good thing. Now, The other category here that comes into mind is police, because it's a very similar deal here, except not quite as extreme. But when you go domestic and look at the police force, most cops are trying to keep society safe for those that they love, their family, their friends, as well as those they don't even know. And they are doing an honorable thing by trying to do this. And this is a good thing. They are risking their lives. Now, I have seen a chart of the dangerous jobs and the most dangerous jobs in the world right now, and cops are actually fairly low on that list. But still, relatively, their job is much more dangerous than most of our jobs. And even if percentage-wise, not an extremely large amount of them are getting injured and hurt and killed on a regular basis compared to some of these other more dangerous jobs they are still, that still does happen. They could get shot at a normal traffic stop and 
you would never see it coming. And that does happen. And they are risking their lives for the sake of society, of keeping society secure and safe and for their fellow man and fellow citizen. Again, this is a good thing. However, when we look at the reality, a lot of the laws that are being enforced are immoral laws, I would say. They are victimless crimes. There is no reason why you should initiate force on somebody just because they want to smoke a joint at their house. Like, that affects absolutely nobody. There is no victim. There are no damages. Like, what are you getting onto them for? What are you arresting them for and throwing them in jail for? For choosing what to ingest in their own body? Like, that's absolutely ridiculous when you really think about it. And that is by far not the only example here, but there are so many laws on the books that are totally victimless and totally damage-free that are being enforced by force, and that actually increases the danger for the police, and it increases the danger for the citizens, and it increases the risk of abuse. And that's another issue, is that there is so much abuse of power here. There are many departments that come out every single year across the country where these major corruption scandals come out that so-and-so is getting paid off and so-and-so was tied in with such and such gang and you know on and on this stuff does happen and that's not a good thing we don't want that but it's ripe to happen given the system that's been created and what is going on so when you have a monopoly on protecting rights which is what the police have they're the only ones who can protect the rights of citizens it is thought that citizens can't even protect their own rights because, yeah, let's get into rights. So you've got natural rights and you have legal rights. It's kind of like when I mentioned intentions versus actions. They're two totally different things. What is legal is not always moral. These are two totally different things. We do have natural rights. That would be more the sense of morality that I have a right to my own life, to make my own decisions, to come to my own conclusions, to think however I want to think, to express myself in any way as long as I'm not causing harm to anybody else. Those would be natural rights. That would be what is moral. Now, legal rights could be very different. Again, according to natural rights, I could smoke pot at home if I wanted to or whatever other victimless crime you want to use as an example, I have a right to do that according to my natural rights and just straight-up morality of humankind. But as far as the legal system is concerned, I do not have a right to do that. And I will have someone come to my house, kick in my door, arrest me at gunpoint, and throw me in a cage if I choose to do this. And that's not right. That's not good. If I make a choice that only affects myself, then no one should initiate force upon me for that decision. And if I resist and I try to argue that I have a right to do such and such, then they're going to use even more force on me. And probably my consequences will be even more extreme. And so that's not a good thing. So similar to the military, Many cops are very honorable. They have very good intentions. But the reality is that they're using force to enforce crimes, I would say in quotations. They say they're crimes, illegalities, that have no victims and no damages. And this is immoral. 
There are things like no-knock warrants where police just bust into a house without identifying themselves, without saying that they are coming in or giving someone a chance to do anything or any kind of heads up. And there have been many cases where cops have busted into houses. They end up shooting the person's dog, usually. That actually happens quite a bit. And then sometimes people, homeowners, try to defend themselves because someone just broke in their door with a gun. And so when they shoot at them or draw a gun or go to reach for something, the cop shoots them. And so you have people getting, I would say, murdered and people's animals getting killed all because they're busting into someone's private property with no warning and no identification. That's that's not right. That's not moral. You've got things like civil asset forfeiture, where all a police officer or police department has to do is say that they think that someone's assets are related to criminal activity, and it could be directly or indirectly. And if they say that and enact that, then they can just take those assets, whether it be money or a car or a house, it doesn't matter, they can take them. And then oftentimes what they'll do is sell them. And then the department actually gets to keep all that money, it doesn't have to go to the federal government. So that's good for the precinct, because they are getting more money. So that's good. But it's not good for everybody else who are having their things taken from them and stolen from them without any due process or without any actual arrest or anything like that. So this is the problem. I, I I honestly don't have an answer to this. I am conflicted myself and how to look at people like cops and military personnel and veterans. Like I do appreciate them and I do hold them in high esteem and I do consider them honorable. At the same time, the things that they are indirectly supporting and just through their actions, what is really happening in reality is not really a good thing. So again, I don't really have any answers. I haven't quite figured it all out yet and probably never will. But it's interesting. I've been thinking about it. It's a dilemma. And if you have any opinions, comments, send them my way. I'd be very interested. So thank you. That's all I have for today. Next episode will be on the ideologies and books that have influenced society's elite the most. And again, send in an email to me for the t-shirt contest and you might just get in if i don't have very many others that submit by the time i place my order then i might even be able to get everybody that submits in if the numbers keep up the way they've been going so thank you very much for all your support thank you for your ratings and reviews please also do that if you have not done so already please check out the patreon page at patreon.com our foundations that's where you can support the show financially if you are benefiting from the content and you want to support this endeavor and help out, I would definitely appreciate it. It would definitely go far in helping me get more content out there. I want to go a little deeper. I want to put a little more out there and give you some more resources and show notes and all that kind of stuff. And so the more support there is, the more time I can dedicate towards this. So check that out, but not only for financial donations. Also go to the Patreon page and look at the possibilities for season two because i do need some more input on that and i would love to hear your opinions and your comments and what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear and see if any of those appeal to you and let me know and comment on that or send me an email and i would greatly appreciate that you can follow me on twitter at foundations pc you can also send the email anytime you want 
with anything I promise to get back with you and I will read it shortly after receiving it. And that email address is ourfoundations at protonmail.com. Again, all this stuff's in the show notes. Check it out. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.